Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. I think they believe he will come out. Now, again, it's, it's up to him, and, and and we don't know what other forces will be weighing on him. But, yeah, I, I do think people would be surprised if he does not come out at this point. He's the, he's the presumptive number one pick, as you say. I think NL, NIL money's great, but like I, it doesn't compare to, to what the contract of the number one overall pick is going to be. So I think it, it feels like it's his time. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. You know what's amazing about that, Hunter Hughes, is that is probably Caleb Williams, who Dan Graziano was talking about earlier today on Get Up, went from at the beginning of the year, one of the most talked about quarterbacks in all the Pac-12. Yep. And as we get ready to watch the Pac-12 championship game coming up, um, probably one of the most disappointing quarterbacks in the Pac-12 as we get ready to watch Michael Penix and uh, and Bo Nix in this game. But it's amazing. Um, and, we'll, and we'll focus on those two quarterbacks in, in a little bit. But I forgot about Caleb Williams. I forgot about him since early October. And USC. And USC. That's yep. right. Um, it makes you wonder if, you know, why is it with how disappointing USC was? Why should we still be talking about Caleb Williams as the number one pick in the NFL draft? I, I get his talent, but but why? Why should we be talking about I'm, him in that vein? I'm with you, man. I, I think the disappointment with Caleb Williams is not just connected with his lack of performance mm-hmm. as, as the reigning Heisman champion last year. Right. It's the lack of character. Mm-hmm. It's the on the field slash off the field antics, if you will. It's the sideshow that you get with this guy. He's kind of a prima donna. Mm-hmm. And what once you kind of rooted for this guy, you know, coming in for relief for Spencer Rattler at, at Oklahoma two years ago and just absolutely shining. And then following uh, Lincoln Riley over to USC and then winning the Heisman, it, it, it was a good story. Right. And then now when you get all of the, you know, the rotting stuff on his fingers, um, the not playing hard in moments and just kind of having that lackadaisical, not caring look about him on the sideline. It, the disappointment is not just in his play. It's man, like, is, is it worth it to take a shot on this guy? And for myself as a bears fan, who (laughs) is more than likely going to be in strong contention for that number one overall pick, I'm, I'm sticking with fields. Well, I don't think the Bears should ever be in a position right now at QB. I think you got to stick with Fields. I, I do I too. I just I, I hate all the the people talking like you have to take him, right? When actually, no, you don't. No, no, you don't. Um, but I, you know, I'm interested when. What's the worst part for you? Because it's been kind of a weird year with with Caleb Williams. You've had the photo or the the photo of him with his family in the crowd. What appeared to be him crying. Um, you've talked about the, the writing on his fingernails, bleep USC. Yep. Um, and, and you've talked about losses and, and I don't know if it's fair because I see Jane Daniels over at LSU. They're not winning. You know, they're, they're not competing for the sec title, yeah. but you see his numbers, his numbers are outstanding and he is the potential Heisman winner coming out of LSU. Although this game could, right next could to say, Bonex. yeah. And, and Penix is probably, uh, third in that, but you know, Caleb Williams, um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I was 
really wowed. Um, I'm curious for the antics, though. I want to go back to the antics for a second. Is it that crying part? Is it, you know, some of the unnecessary stuff? You know, what is it about the antics that is more of a turnoff? I think it's that the antics are... I think the antics are coming from someone who just won the Heisman. If the antics were coming from a middle-of-the-pack team... um, Shadur Sanders, if you will, like, okay, no big deal. Like that, that's kind of par for the course, but he was the best player in college football last year, but one of a select few to win the most prestigious award in arguably all of sports. Um, There's a higher standard whenever you are one of the few players to still play in college after you've already won the Heisman. Yeah. There's a, um, a level of celebrity and expectation that comes when you still have years in front of you. So same w- whenever we looked at Johnny Manziel differently after he won the Heisman. And that there's a different level that that puts you on. And if you don't condone yourself with the utmost honor, the, the, the utmost um, professionalism, mm-hmm. uh, you, you you aren't perceived as... Uh, a leader of your team and, and someone who fights, you know, through adversity, you, you, you're going to be subject to some critique. And yeah. I, I think that's that's where the um, quote unquote frustration comes from. I'll take you through the last part of this for me with Caleb Williams is why I'm a little concerned about this idea of him being the number one pick. There, he started off. I mean, he was Heisman worthy. I mean, in his Again. in his first yep. five games. He threw 21 touchdowns. He threw, good. Ni- he threw nine the rest of the year. Mm. 21 in games against San Jose State win, Nevada easy win, Stanford, you know, um, yep. at Arizona State, and then the six against Colorado. Colorado, we, that was a big game for Colorado, and they laid a, laid a gigantic egg in there. But you look at the rest of it. Utah, uh, 24-34, no touchdowns, kind of pedestrian. Um their biggest games, the rivalry against UCLA, in a game that probably saved Chip Kelly's job, throws a touchdown, throws a pick, goes 31 of 42. Uh, doesn't, as I mentioned, doesn't throw a touchdown against Utah, one touchdown against Notre Dame, one touchdown against Arizona um, in, in, a, in a very close game. I mean, you look at those games down the stretch in conference and you don't see anything that really says, hey, this was this was Heisman worthy. Um, you know the non-conference stuff is really good. Um, maybe this the best stuff for him was you know running the football where he had eleven touchdowns. But again, a lot of what he did on the ground didn't really come in to me big games. Yeah, to to me, I hear everything that you're saying, but mm-hmm. I feel like he has put enough on film with his arm ability, throwing from different positions, sheer arm strength, right. um, and that that. Mahomes magic kind of element as well to him that he's put enough on film to earn a top five pick in the NFL. The part that is a bit concerning has been the leadership stuff that if you have unquestionably one of the best teams in college football, why aren't you in this game tonight? Mm -hmm. Between, I mean, well, how much do you blame Lincoln Riley? Yeah, you know, they're still they're still scoring at a pretty high clip. So it's uh like because some people think Lincoln Riley should be gone 
A lot of people are putting it on him rather After than After one Williams. season. Yeah, you I know mean, those expectations. Right? They they are there, um, and there's been money that's spent on both of those guys. Um, but when you consider their lowest scoring output put on the season was against Oregon uh, a couple of weeks ago, where they only scored 27, they still kind of upheld their end of the bargain. But mm-hmm. when you have the reigning Heisman champion, I think you it, expect it, better. It, it, that's right, and I think it's a little bit on both of those guys because. You, you put their roster up against Washington, up against this Oregon team, and it's what we talked about for the first half of this season was those are the three in the Pac-12. So when they kind of ran out of gas towards the end here, that's where people are left kind of scratching their heads going, what happened? Right. So now NFL execs don't care. <laughs> I wish they did, <laughs> mm-hmm. but they don't. Um, they consistently look past character flaw in top-tier draft class guys yeah. for the sake of marketing, for the sake of um, what they can kind of hitch their wagon to, you know, an up-and-coming Heisman-winning personality. But I look at guys that can lead and can put your team in a position to win. So even though he's won the Heisman, this kid's played in no CFP games. None. And that's usually the standard. Usually you're a Heisman finalist or you're a Heisman trophy winner, and that is usually the standard that comes along with it. It's usually, and if not, then you missed it by one game. And this was not. This was not. <laughs> they missed it by a few. So not, not to throw too many stones, but... Um, well, you're allowed. I, mean, I think there's 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 been a lot left out there for for this guy. He probably could have been the the first guy since Tebow to have a realistic shot at winning back to back. I mean, you're allowed to throw stones. I mean, you put yourself in that position where the praise you expect to be higher, but the expectations are expected to be higher, and there was kind of a miss on both. But to not spend too much time on Caleb Williams because you know we're, we've got the Pac-12 championship game presented right. by 76 right in front of us, and you can hear that by the way. On CBS 1500, that's because um, volleyball, and they won, and we're here. Uh, we're here because of volleyball, too. I mean, Penix and Wade. Uh, yeah. uh, Penix and Knicks, I beg your pardon. Um, Bo Nix. I mean, the Heisman hype. Uh, you had the billboards in New York City. You had the ads all over uh, the internet, wherever you went. If you went to ESPN.com, you'd see a banner ad of uh, Bo Nix for Heisman. Um, you know, you had... A lot of expectations on Knicks and Penix. Uh, to you, and I don't, I don't want to put this toward the trophy necessarily, but if you put down these two, uh, when we talk about reaching or meeting the expectations, who did that? Mm. Who did that better between these two quarterbacks? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> The fence, Hunter, um, the fence. I mean, I think this game warrants a little fence riding. Okay, a little. okay. I mean, rarely <laughs> do you get a championship, a conference championship game that settles not only either of your team's trip to the college football playoff, but then also it might even settle the Heisman argument. Mm-hmm. So they've already played fantastic against each other earlier this season, leaving a lot of Pac-12 fans wanting more, and they're getting it tonight. Right. But... 
also for both of these guys, this will be probably the greatest test for either of them throughout the season, even though both teams played several highly ranked teams. And even though they played each other already. That, that's right. So I, I still feel like we need tonight to, okay. To, okay. to properly evaluate that question. That's, that's fair. Um, you know, Ian Fitzsimmons earlier on the uh, college football live pregame show kind of kind of laid it like this uh, with these two, you know, with Knicks Heisman front runner. If he plays well, if if he has a game in which he looks great and Oregon wins Heisman front runner to me, that means Heisman front runner. You've met expectations. Yep. Michael Penix did not have the Heisman candidacy. I mean, you kind of knew he was going to be good, but there was no like, hey, here's the campaign. We're sending Michael Penix banners to all parts of the country. It was for him. It was going to be based on just his body of work on the field and putting himself in this position. Yes, he's kind of the dark horse. I don't know that Penix wins the Heisman. I think you said something to me a little while ago, which which is true. You know, he has been a little beaten up. He's not 100%. You even saw it after uh, their last game in which it looked like he was trying to protect himself, um, you know, in that Apple Cup game, which was kind of wild uh, because he was he was clearly not completely right. But he's still in this position, and I'm even looking at him on the field, like, for for their first possession. And, like, okay, he's, he's keeping himself together. I know he's not 100%, yeah. but he's keeping himself together. He's thrown for 32 touchdowns. He's right behind Bo Nix. In, uh, uh, in in some of the, the big numbers in the FBS. Like, Penix, to me, has kind of outplayed the potential that he had yeah. uh, to be in this position. I, I would agree with that. And it, it seems like Washington as a unit is more of a stronger team, mm-hmm. offense and defense, right. um, and less reliant on Penix to go out there and play like a Heisman every game just to stay there. It feels like they have the firepower across the board to keep them afloat. Um, the, the man, it, it's interesting though, because to me, both of these guys deserve more consideration you think than, so? than the LSU kid. You mean Daniels? Daniels' numbers are absurd. I know they're good. absurd. I just, I, for, for where your team is at, I feel like that deserves more consideration because LSU okay. is not playing in an SEC title game. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, it's the same. It, it still can happen. RG3, whenever he won the Heisman, Baylor was nowhere um, competing for a, a national title or anything like that. So, the, the, or AM, you know, whenever, when Johnny won. So it, it's not always connected, but. To me, you brought up Penix, and he's a leader. He helps this team play at its best. And similar to the MVP conversation, it's not just most valuable player across the league. It's the most valuable player to that particular team. It's It needs to be considered a little bit differently. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. But you also brought up something interesting. You know, we'll we'll save this part for after the break because mm. you know it's it's never too early for the Heisman discussion when you've got two candidates right there on the field in front of you. Um, how much does team 
factor into the individual award because mm. you kind of hit on that a little bit when talking about Daniels with LSU and I think that leads to a, a greater part of that discussion coming up in just a little bit you can play pigskin picks at ESPNHonolulu.com your chance to win weekly prizes are $1,000 cash prize at the end of the year hey you can uh, you can still play now even if you haven't uh, played at all you can still go for those weekly prizes you can play at ESPNHonolulu.com brought to you by M. Dyer Global and by Young's Fish Market again because of volleyball we're here so the Pac-12 championship game moving over to our sister station, CBS 1500, Oregon and Washington. And we'll give you some updates. Sports Center coming up at the bottom of the hour. But more on that Heisman conversation coming up. You're listening to Off the Bench on ESPN Honolulu. All right, Sports Center updates coming up in just a little while. We got about three minutes here, partner. You mentioned the team conversation in Heisman. You mentioned it with, with Daniels from LSU. Numbers are great. He is likely, right now, uh, the Heisman favorite. Just his, his numbers are incredible. He is an, an incredible athlete and playmaker. But to you, for an individual award, how much does team uh, team success or lack thereof play into individual award? Hmm. When you're on a better team, you are put in a uh, different position to play better. Um, I think of Mackenzie Milton, for instance, okay, from mm-hmm. a few years ago. Had Mackenzie stayed and played in Hawaii, because we offered him, and, right. he was, and he was considering that, he would not have put up nearly the numbers that he did over in Central Florida. They had a phenomenal receiver core. Same thing when uh, uh, Ritter was in the conversation a couple of seasons ago because Cincinnati had a phenomenal receiver core. It goes hand in hand. It's an it's an individual award for a team sport. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to look at just from an individual's impact on the field, you would probably have to go with Daniels. I understand that okay. for the his ability to pass and run is unmatched in college football right now. So I understand where they're at with that, but I also you you have to give a nod to players that have won mm-hmm. and are in contention right now to still play for a national title. So I, I, I almost hold that with a similar weight. So it's kind of like saying um, you need to at minimum be in a conference championship game, or is that even too high of a bar? I think so, because okay. even if Caleb Williams, okay, if he had a phenomenal year, but they were trailing by a couple of games like they are this year to Oregon and Washington, they're, they're not going to be held to the same level as a Bo Nix or a Michael Penix Jr. this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, that's that's a hard balance because you you kind of want to um, keep the individuality of the of the award, yet at the same time you also know that uh, we watch college football and and we see a lot of teams a lot a lot of times based on their results. Johnny would not have been in his position had he not beaten Alabama. Yep. Uh, texter from the seven eight two is a Bears fan, okay. just like you, my guy. Um, says I ain't drafting no Caleb Williams. <laughs> we were talking about yep. Caleb earlier in the uh, Heisman discussion. Uh, Mountain West scheduling lines. Plus, Nick Rolovich is back in the news. Oh, by the way, uh, that's all still to come. Sports Center on the way. We start championship weekend in college football, and we get ready for Rainbow Wahine volleyball. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. 
All right, we'll take you up to 445. Rainbow Wahine Volleyball against Oregon. Second round of the NCAA Women's Volleyball Tournament from Eugene. Tiff Wells will have that for you here on ESPN Honolulu. Kind of an Oregon Oregon day today, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of... The, the H logo that is on both of our shirts kind of mm-hmm. has a little bit of Oregon green in it, although we don't like to consider it that, but it is. There's a tad, there's a tad bit of Oregon At least in one it. of these games, I think everyone listening to this can agree we want Hawaii to win. Yes, this is very true. So... I hear what you're saying about the Oregon green in our shirt, but we're we're rocking the yeah. Hawaii H for it's, a reason. It's the theme of the day. I'm thinking more of the Pac-12 championship there game more than I anything else. Uh, of course, Hawaii and Oregon, a rematch from game three or match number three of the year. Uh, Hawaii lost in straights to then ninth-ranked Oregon in the country uh, here in the opening weekend in the islands. So uh, is Hawaii better from uh, from that point at the beginning of the year? We'll find out. Uh, coming up a little bit later on. Lots of Mountain West news mm. that uh, we'll spend a little bit of time on, and we'll get to the uh, uh, Zephyr Insurance text line coming up in a little bit. Ken Wilson fired at Nevada. Um, they were deliberating that for a couple of days, it seemed like, and with the transfer portal opening up on Monday, you had to commit one way or the other. Um, you can't make decisions. Trust me, we know a little bit about late decisions. Uh, you can't make late decisions and think that everything's going to be okay. Uh, the transfer portal's huge. Players want to make their decisions. So uh, Ken Wilson gone. And we'll talk about some of the national reporting on who could be in the mix for that. But the Mountain West Scheduling Alliance was announced today by the conference. And as most people already know, uh, seven conference games now for uh, for every Mountain West team. And then you'll play either Washington State or Oregon State. And it'll be either there or at your location, and it'll be one of those games per year. So that leaves you with eight games. You then have four non-conference, or if you're given the ability to play 13 games with the Hawaii exemption, that would give you potentially five. Um, you you have heard my reservation on dropping down to seven conference games. You, you know my feeling on it. Yeah. The... Um, the tiebreaker scenario just was not it, it was not ideal having to go to computers for a three game tiebreaker when you don't have equal scheduling it's only going to get worse cuz the Oregon State and Washington State games don't count against conference record correct they do not interesting yeah and uh which is fine i mean they shouldn't i mean they're not going to be members of the Mountain West Conference they're going to be as as has been described like Pac-12 independents because the conference is in some way, uh, the conference is going to exist. It's going to exist in name only. And part of the reason for that is because it will give both Washington State and Oregon State the ability to um, you know, keep some of the conference revenue. They can over the next couple of years as exempt status. Uh, it will allow them to create their own television deals because they don't fall under the Mountain West banner, so they can go ahead and and get some kind of television deal with, like, Prime Video, Mm. and their games go on Prime Video or The CW uh, or something along those lines. Hey, hey, The CW got NASCAR. It's not hate. No, I'm sorry. No, The CW did not get NASCAR. Um, I don't know if they did. The CW got live. The the CW got the Barstool Arizona Bowl. Mm. Finally, Barstool realized we can't just put it on our our, uh, social media platform. So you'll get to see the craziness on the CW in bowl season. 
Um, but I mean, it, it, it keeps their revenue. They're able to kind of stay afloat, spend the way they want to spend. You know, you'll get some additional revenue in the conference. And that's all good. Um, I just worry. I mean, you've got, I don't know how they're going to keep the protected games. UNLV, San Diego State being Hawaii's protected games. Your other five. Hmm. Um, you could have the hardest five totally. in the books. You could get Boise, Fresno, Fresno State, uh, good Wyoming, Air Force, team. Air Force uh, and then you know Nevada maybe your your other your other team, yeah. and you could have a murderer's row of teams, or you could have the lightest seven teams on your schedule, and turn out to be okay, and then bring it to the computers. There has to be a better balance because you're going to play seven teams out of twelve. There's no way you can balance that well, and I think we saw that, um, you know, in 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 these three that had the tiebreaker. One of them played both teams. The other two only played one and their schedules were, were very different and the results were, were very different. And I, I felt like the team that was deserving to be in there was left out. So how do you accomplish that going forward? And, and as we get into the 12 team college football playoff, actually create the opportunity for your conference champion to be in that automatic top five conference winner qualifier status. Yeah, it's, it seems like a lot of change happening very quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this was the first season without divisions. Right. So th- that already has created a, a sense of what's going on for postseason and uh, the conference championship because it, it might have potentially even created some slightly different results. Absolutely. But, um, and then on top of that, the, the very next year we're going to one less – conference game and then this pseudo um designated non-conference opponent whether it be washington state or oregon state Mm so right it to me seems like circumstantially it's created a lot of new change that we haven't known long enough to even get used to it yeah um i think the next thing for the conference if if they want to push this forward, because it's okay, great. You're you're going to get extra money. Um, you know, you're you're helping out in scheduling for your conference teams. Heck, Hawaii might need it. You know, you've heard the rumors that have been floating out there about the Oregon game. Um, that is not for for anybody wondering the talk about whether Oregon's still going to play Hawaii or not. That's as of right now. Go to Hawaii's schedule. Oregon's still on it, yep. at least officially. Um, you know, that is still there. Uh, but heck, there are going to be teams that that do need help on their schedules, and this helps you kind of grab a game. It also, you know, it also helps Oregon State and Washington. This gives them what um, six games to to know that they're going to have on their schedule every year because you're going to play one or the other. So you've got half of the Mountain West at your disposal. Now you got to figure out the next six, and that's a lot easier to do. You know, if if they continue with the rivalry games, the Apple Cup, Oregon and Oregon State, uh, then that's seven, uh, and then you 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 kind of move from there. So that can be kind of helpful. And then you know they'll play each other. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's that's the that's the rivalry game, right? The the Apple Cup, Oregon, Oregon State. That's what I'm saying. But um, no, it, and then I meant Washington, Oregon State playing Washington State also. 
Oh yeah, that's right. So yeah. then then subtract an, you know another you one. So yeah. they've got eight they've got eight games already. You're only looking at four. Right. And I see you guys with the phones. We'll get to you in a moment here at eight oh eight two nine six fourteen twenty. I yeah. think the other thing that's important here for the conference is they need to do the work to solidify because uh the the goal here and everybody's saying the goal is to make these two schools Mountain West members. Hmm. I don't know what that's going to mean for all the other sports. And quite frankly, that's not something for us to worry about um, because we've kind of got our thing. Pac-12 and Mountain West will have, uh, you know, or or Oregon State and Washington State need to figure out for the next couple of years what they're going to do with everything else. Um, you know, it's the other sports that are kind of the big deal. But if you can get this full-fledged conference membership sooner rather than later to um, avoid the idea that maybe another conference says, hey, we actually want these two now. And then they go ahead and go after Oregon State and Washington uh, Washington State, and the Mountain West is out of you know an, an expanded conference. Mm. Um, I, Gloria Navarre, is, I think, is, is on to something, but I think now your next move is to act a little bit quicker to ensure, hey, we've got them locked in for, let's say, 2026, when they can be full-fledged uh, Mountain West members. Let's say hi to John calling in here at 808-296-1420. John, how are you? Hey, good. I have a question about this uh, scheduling thing with, uh, you know, the two teams from the Pac-12. So if you're a couple games short of being bowl eligible and then you got these guys at the back of your schedule and you beat those two guys, does that still Boy, the timing of his call oh. dropping out is just is I I I, and I think he's there now. Can you repeat the last part of your question? Because you dropped out there, John. Okay, so if you're a couple games short of uh, being bowl eligible, and these guys come up at the end of your schedule, does beating them like make do those games count for bowl eligibility? Yes, mm-hmm. they count for bowl eligibility. They don't count for your conference standings. And they wouldn't count against us because they're not FCS schools. Oh, so you can't, it doesn't count towards your conference record. Correct. But it counts like for being bowl eligible or not. That's, That's right. Correct. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. That's it, all I was wondering. Yeah. It, it basically, good question, John. Thank you for the call. Um, it basically is how Hawaii's schedule normally is our non conference opponents are at the beginning of our season. We might have a non conference opponent peppered in right. with our conference games. So. That, from a preparation standpoint, might be a little bit different, uh, but we have seen this in the past. Um, throughout the Chow era, we we saw uh, schools like Navy, we saw schools like Army, um, and then my senior night in 2017 was BYU. We ended the year with that. So right. um, we have seen this before in the past, but the one difference here is we would see essentially a Power 5 school consistently whether we like it or not, on our schedule peppered in with our conference games. And, yes, for the next couple of years, Washington State and Oregon State are still going to be considered power conference schools because uh, the Pac-12, by name, will still be considered uh, a conference. Uh, But the other news, and we kind of talked about it a moment ago, Ken Wilson out at Nevada, what name has been circled around that Nevada job? Uh, You may or may not be surprised by the familiarity of said name. That is coming up. And don't forget, 
We're an hour away from taking you out to Eugene, Hawaii, and Oregon in the second round of the NCAA Women's Volleyball Tournament. Tiff Wells out there will have the call. It is presented by Hawaii Pacific Health, creating a healthier Hawaii. Off the Bench continues here on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, coming up tonight, it is uh, semifinal number two of the Surfrider Holiday Classic over on CBS 1500. Uh, it's going to be uh, Kamehameha and Kailua. Uh, good games yesterday, including a uh, overtime win for University Lab mm. over St. Louis. Uh, defending Division One state champions falling to the Division Two runner-up from last year. Incredible game. Junior bows were down double digits. Uh, came back with a just a barrage of threes, uh, win it in the extra four. So congratulations to the junior bows. They're in the 630 semi against Campbell. Meantime, over on our Zephyr Insurance text line, uh, one of our texters who believes that the Surfrider Classic gets all the love. No, we haven't forgotten about the Jim Allegre Invitational over at Radford. Uh, Honaka, Jamie Carvalho. Jamie Carvalho is no longer there. He's a um, AD over at Kohala. Uh, now that I recall. But uh, Honoka used to go there all the time. They are there again this year. Mauloa Tagabi with a game-winning three at the end of the game. Honoka defeating Roosevelt 56-53. So uh, there's some good basketball going on. This is a fun time, my friend, uh, as high school basketball gets underway. The road to February uh, taking place. But as I know, you are the football guy here in the building. It's certainly not me. Uh, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I will not brag about any football knowledge as compared to you. Uh, I, I know my place. <laughs> That's okay. Um, we all have our giftings yeah. and, and experiences or lack thereof. Um, some of the interesting news from college football today after the Ken Wilson announcement uh, with Nevada letting him go. I was, uh, I, I was watching Bruce Feldman's tweet from The Athletic, and Feldman noted that a name that could be thrown into the hat for that Nevada job is Nick Rolovich. Ooh. Now, Rolo, recall, Rolo left here for more money, an opportunity for a Power 5 position at Washington State. COVID happened. Um, he wasn't willing to get the COVID vaccine. Uh, cited, uh, I think it was religious beliefs. Washington State didn't buy it. There's still a, a pending litigation on some of Nick Rolovich's lawsuit, not all of it. But he is not a college coach. Um, he is, as of right now, supposed to be an XFL offensive coordinator. But last I saw, and I saw someone bring this up to me the other day, the XFL and the USFL have merged. And some of the teams were kept. Some weren't. And I believe the team Rolo was on was not kept. So he was supposed to be the... Seattle. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, apparently... Uh, not happening. So um, that leaves you with the opportunity there gone. Yeah. Uh, so we hear, at least it's rumored. I kind of like the idea of Nick Rolovich getting back in the head coaching game in college football. And I think Nevada might be the perfect place for him if he wants to get in without the uh, w w without the pressure of needing to win right away and easing himself back in and also knowing that he's familiar with the conference yep. 
it feels like this is the perfect opportunity for him to get back in as a head coach. And he's already coached there. Yeah. He was the offensive coordinator at Nevada before he got the head job here. So it's a school that he's familiar with. It's a um, school that is not far from where he grew up. Mm-hmm. Rolo's a, nor- a Northern Cali guy. Right. So to be near uh, family and I'm sure within an earshot of um, anywhere of his, uh, you know, his extended family, I'm sure it, it, it makes sense. And I've I've said this multiple times on the air, Josh, and also just in public, that it's unfortunate that the stuff with COVID distracted the general public out here from the fact that Rolo is a phenomenal coach. Mm-hmm. And he turned our program around from near extinction in the Chow era to multiple bowl berths and a shot at the Mountain West Championship game. Um a phenomenal job in only four seasons. So he's a phenomenal leader and also a really, really good play caller. And it could be really fun to see him on a consistent basis, especially whenever we play Nevada all the time. So I like when people from the Hawaii tree continue to get opportunity. And you're exactly right. He he deserves to be a head coach again. The thing about the COVID-19 situation, and you know, you're right, it, it doesn't take away from um, his ability to coach, but I think it questioned for a lot of people, hey, leadership. Um, you know, it, it, we know how that public health crisis kind of fractured the country to a certain degree, and he was kind of in the middle of that. And what I think turned, you know, in Washington State, clearly it was the mandate. And that obviously did not fly. He was not the only one. There were some assistant coaches of his that that were let go as well. Um, but I think if if Nick Rolovich is going to be successful, I, I kind of want to see Nick Rolovich to go back to what he was. You know, prior to COVID-19, Nick Rolovich on social media was one of the best people you could find in um, hyping a program. Oh, yeah. He did the weird things. Did the exciting things. Yeah, he did everything. And scholarships out at WWE, (laughs) as you would know. And he didn't do it for himself. Yep. You know, he did it, I think, to genuinely build, in Hawaii's case, the Hawaii program. I still remember when he went went to Washington State, one of the first things he did, he went to a random, like, hole-in-the-wall restaurant. He was like, hey, show up here. I'll pay for all your drinks and stuff. You know, that's what happens when you you become a multi-million-dollar individual. But He was doing that out here, too, with uh certain walk-on guys. Uh, It's years past now, and I will never give up the names. But Of course. He took care of walk-on guys. You know, he ran into them at restaurants and just took care of their meals. Mm -hmm. And... Um, would, you know, w- would invite his four children to come into our meetings. And it felt like a family environment that we all were a part of. And so, yes, I I don't want to bark up the COVID tree. Of course. Um, but I think that still has to be a little bit of the conversation. It, I think we were does, talking about. It does, but like for, for me. Yeah, of course. I will never talk poorly about that guy. I hear you. Ever. Just because of everything that he did for myself and the teams that I was a part of, I can't help but 
never to take that hat off. No, I hear you. I think for me, it's not talking badly about him. It's more of along the lines of what he needs to do um, mm. off the field to show the head coaching ability. Sports Center next. Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. Their job is not to pick the two best games. The idea that we're just going to select the four best teams is ludicrous. The idea that you do not take into account who has deserved it, who has earned it, who has earned the right to play in these games that mean everything, that's insane. Then what did we bother playing this season for? We're just leaving this up to a bunch of people. People, the computers were better. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Greeny had me there until he said the computers were better. And at that point, I, I, I walked out on the argument to say the computers were better um, is crazy because mm-hmm. let's remember, folks, that's why we got away from the computers in the first place. Because the computers were not better. Uh, that's uh, Greeny earlier today on Greeny on ESPN Honolulu talking about the uh, current state of the uh, college football playoff situation where he says it's not about the four best teams, that it's about the four most deserving teams. Uh, does that make sense to you? Mm. That sounds like a no right out of the gate. I mean... People aren't going to like what I, you know, what I'm about to say, but I, I actually kind of agree with what he's referring to. It's sim- something similar to what I heard Herb Street talking about, where the combined margin of victory throughout the CFP games is around 19 points. Mm-hmm. And the top four teams at the end of everything, when the dust settles after the college football season, does not always result in the in the best four teams because you you know put put uh rankings on the side put fairness on the side i would much rather the college football playoff be the the three best games that we could contrive regardless of record Mm -hmm. i i think that would uh, be the best for the sport and for this for this year being the last of the, the four. four team college football playoff wh- th- this is all going to be resolved next season when we have 12 teams so the th- when you say the three best games you could contrive take, yes. take me through what that means the the, the two semifinals and yeah. then and then ultimately the oh the national okay. the, the, the so championship got it got it so the the the, the three matchups that you would get from the the final four so um, to you that would be what if it, if if you had that right now your two semis probably both of these teams Washington and Oregon yep, they're playing the, right now and then Georgia and Michigan to me those are the top four right. And again, you're basically saying we're not we're not talking about um, we're we're not talking about foremost deserving. You are saying those are the four best teams in the nation. I think so. Yes, and you're still giving respect where respect is due um, for Georgia and Michigan. the The one thing you know that Florida State does not having going have going for it is their stud at quarterback, and their number two guy is a game time decision tomorrow They're, after the head injury. So, like all of that, right there. Yeah, which they, they they might Louisville might handle them, and they they just get 
removed from consideration right. on their own. Right. Um, but I would I think give the committee even wants to kind of see that. That's right. It I, it feels like that, and it feels right now that Oregon and Washington deserve to be in that place more than Ohio State does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, that's the dilemma. This is this is like the NCAA men's bat. This is like every NCAA tournament. Granted, the college football playoff is not under the auspices of the NCAA. It was it's really a private entity that the NCAA kind of doesn't oversee, but it 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 views because this is college football's under the NCAA in general. Um, but it's always you know with with basketball and other sports, it's the RPI, but is it strength of schedule? But is it eye test? You know, same thing. Is it the four best teams? Is it the four deserving teams? Um, you know, how do we go about it? Like, we watched this game here with Washington and Oregon. And in all intents and purposes, and Washington's up 10 nothing right now um, midway through the second quarter. In, all, in, in respect, this should be an elimination game. Hmm. If Washington beats Oregon, Washington, by the way, is a 9.5-point underdog. If Washington beats Oregon, Washington should be a lock, and then Oregon should be a lock out. Right. I mean, I, I don't know that you can make a case for a two loss Oregon being in a college football playoff semifinal. That would be the deserves. If Oregon makes this close with Washington and you've got some upheaval in in the rest of the top four from deserves to best tells me Oregon, even with two losses, should have a conversation, should should have an opportunity to be there. You take the records out of it, kind of like you were what you were referring to. And you say, oh, Oregon just played right with the number three team in the country, lost to them in two very close games. Field goal would have sent it to overtime in the first game. This game, if it's close, could be something like that too. Mm. Why not? So I think this game, everything is going to come down to what happens at the end of four quarters. Mm -hmm. If it runs the distance and it ends up being a really close matchup, then I think the committee could look at it as, these teams have played each other to the wire twice right. this season, regardless of who beat each other. I think they've earned the right to be considered top in the nation. And again, we're, we're, we're talking about things that go beyond record right now mm-hmm. because Florida state is undefeated, but, but Florida the, state is not the same the, undefeated team. But right there, you can't measure that electronically. Correct. You, you, you have to measure that emotionally. And this is the first season, we, we talked about this off, off air, this is the first season where the CFP is going to have to be considered with more emotional fairness than record and systematic fairness. Mm-hmm. Because it, the, the, there's too many teams that deserve more consideration than what four teams can offer. Yeah. It's the first time that we're running into this because the – since 2014, the Pac-12 has been obsolete. <laughs> they really this have. This is true. Yes, and so you're absolutely right. The last time they were in here was when Mariota was was leading the charge for Oregon. Mm-hmm. And so from then until now, we haven't run into anything like this because the Power Five conferences was really the Power Four. Yeah. And so the winner of each of those conferences, but dum ba dum, were your entrance into the, into the CFP, mm-hmm. so, um, w- with exception to. A couple of the years where the winner of those conferences had multiple losses and then you got, you know, a Cincinnati in there Mm -hmm. or multiple SEC teams in there or something. Um, This is 
what the the uh, the committee was always what I would say afraid of happening this season where you have too many deserving teams and not enough spots. You know what I'm tired of? Um, nothing that you said, by the way, but what I'm, what I'm kind of tired of, and I, and I hope this discussion dies down uh, before the SEC championship game on Saturday. I don't want to hear about Alabama anymore. Mm. I have nothing against Alabama. It's, uh, it, it's, it's not a... Uh, fandom type of preference, but I just want to make very, very clear. The idea of us talking about the eighth best team in the nation jumping into the top four seems ridiculous to me. Mm. And I feel like because of Alabama's success uh, and constant entry into the college football playoffs, some uh, most often than not deserved, sometimes not, that... It becomes like a talking about, hey, they're in the SEC championship game again. I mean, hey, uh, Nick Saban's found a way to, to get them back here in the discussion. But it's like they're eighth. You know, you can beat Georgia, and it may kind of look bad for Georgia that they lost to the number eight team in the country. But again, they're number eight. To to go from deserving to best. Let, mm-hmm. let's, let's have that discussion with Alabama. Uh, and this will be the last time we talk about Alabama because, like I said, I don't want, I don't want to hear anything about Alabama anymore. Um, We've had enough rolling. Deserving team if they win tides. the SEC championship? Sorry, one more time. I was getting my quip in there about rolling tide. <laughs> deserving if they win the SEC championship? Only if this game isn't close. Okay. I think that the result of this game warrants more weight mm-hmm. than Bama just because Bama lost to Texas and they're, right. they're lower on the totem pole. So you, you have to, you have to give these guys a little bit more weight with that. Um, however, if Texas, I mean, excuse me, if Bama handles Georgia, how that do, puts them in the deserving conversation. I, I think so, man. Okay. What about the best conversation for best teams, regardless of uh, let's say Alabama wins. Are they in the four best team discussion? Remember, this is a team that benched its starting quarterback at the beginning of the year. I know. And they're not nearly the Bama team that we're normally used to seeing. Mm -hmm. That's tough to answer. And I'm probably on the side of no. Okay. I feel like they are down there in left out in the cold land with... Ohio State, Texas, and themselves. So deserving if so if they win, deserving, yes, best, no. Yes. Okay. And that's and and that to me is fair. Um, although I probably wouldn't even put them in the deserving conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted their loss was to Texas, it was close. Um, but I I'll go a little bit farther on the deserving part. Some of their wins just didn't impress me. Cool that they won miraculously against Auburn, not impressive. Mm. Um, and Auburn was the same team that lost to New Mexico State the week prior. Paid them, what, $1.1 million? For an L. That's right. And when we talk about resumes, because we are so used to that in college football, where we're always talking about resumes, sometimes more than we actually should, um, we can't we can't ignore that. We, we can't ignore whether your wins on your resume were good enough. Um, 
defensively, Alabama uh, very good, but let's let's not forget they only beat South Florida seventeen to three. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of their ugliest wins all year. Texas A&M fired its head coach. They won by six. Arkansas four and eight this year. Won by three. Um, and again, Auburn. Auburn is fringe bowl eligible because they're six and six. Beat them with luck toward the very end, 27-24. I mean, um, if I go by resume, even if you beat Georgia, that's still not deserving to me. I mean, you you have to you have to handle Auburn. You have to handle Arkansas. You have to handle Texas A&M. And you sure as heck need to beat the living daylights out of South Florida. Mm. Like, I, I'm sorry. Uh, no disrespect. Actually, no, there is kind of disrespect to South Florida. <laughs> I, I I used the old phrase that everybody just throws out so nonchalantly. No disrespect, but no, heavy disrespect. South Florida was 6-6. Six and six. The fact that you couldn't beat them because you had quarterback problems in week three of your year and managed to squeak by 17-3, to get away. It's the same South Florida team that lost at Western Kentucky. No. So that's that's the resume conversation. And th- th- that's right, because we're, we're trying to hone in on the four. Mm-hmm. Quattro. The, 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 there's only four teams that get the right to fight for the national title. And your year's going to be scrutinized. It has to be. That's just the way that it's going to be. So if there's blemish on your schedule already with an L, which there is in Bama's case, everything else better be super sparkling. Like in this case, Oregon, the only L that they have is to Washington. Right. And everything else is sparkling. They can't, they can't make that same argument. No, absolutely. I really think if the committee looks at this correctly, this is a... Um, this is a six-team race. No apologies to Texas. I don't believe they deserve it if they win the Big 12. No apologies to Alabama. I don't believe they deserve it if the one if they win the SEC. And, uh, you know, Florida State's in there just because they have to be. Not because I believe they should be. They're not in the best conversation, and frankly, they're not in the deserving. But they're there because they're undefeated. I really do believe Ohio, Ohio State has a shot. Um, and you know what? Let's say Florida State beats Louisville. Let's say they win with a third string quarterback and it's like 10 to 3 or 10 to 7. They'll be undefeated, yes. But you win the deserving argument, they're not the best. Hmm. I would put Ohio State over that Florida State team any day. I'd put Ohio State over this Florida State team any day. But that's again. Deserving versus best, and we could we could discuss that all day. Well, and Ohio State is in a very rare predicament right now, where they are sitting this weekend with a bye week, mm-hmm. essentially, not sure what game to prepare for. Right? They'll and play re- in a New Year's Six. Bowl. They will we know certainly that. play in one of those, it could but very likely be the Rose Bowl. And it, that's exactly right. And they don't have a conference championship to play for mm-hmm. it's just it's a very very unique circumstance for a team like that speaking of bowls we weren't on the air yesterday uh when the first bowl matchup of the year was announced and we'll we'll be the last people to talk about it but hey uh worth it 
Chevin Cordero is coming back uh, for his uh, final game, and it will be here in the islands. And there was uh, one guy on social media who's like, get out of here already. Leonard Lee. It's like, stay away already. It was it was funny. It was all it was all in good fun. <laughs> uh, but we'll see Coastal Carolina and San Jose State. And frankly, it could have been a better matchup. Mm. And and I'll explain why coming up. You can play pigskin picks at ESPNHonolulu.com. It is brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. It's all about picking the NFL winners. It could lead you to some weekly prizes, our $1,000 cash prize at the end of the year as well. ESPNHonolulu.com is where you can play. Traffic in moments. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. We are about 22 minutes away from taking you to Eugene for Hawaii and Oregon. The second round matchup in the NCAA Women's Volleyball Championship uh, over on CBS 1500. The Pac-12 Championship right now with Washington uh, taking on Oregon. 17-3 Huskies up on that one. 6.48 to go first half. An update on that coming up on SportsCenter in about uh, seven minutes. This is our uh, really last and only opportunity to be the last people on earth. Uh, to talk about the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl matchup, <laughs> which was uh, announced yesterday. Surprise to us, because, you know, usually for all the bowl games, you wait until December 3rd, mm. which is uh, Championship Sunday. They announce the the four teams in the playoff. They give you the whole uh, college football playoff top 25. Then you start seeing the bowl matchups roll in. Uh, now, well, we've got two. The Easy Post Hawaii Bowl was the first to be announced. They announced the second one today. Uh, and it featured uh, Arkansas State, or I'm sorry, no, uh, Jacksonville State uh, being announced for uh, the New Orleans Bowl, the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl against Louisiana. First bowl game in Jacksonville State history, and that's because of the FCS transition. Not enough bowl teams. They end up going there. But uh, your thought on Chevin Cordero for his final game in the Islands? In the islands, well, uh, playing against uh, Coastal Carolina. Well, before talking about Chev, I, I, I got to just, for the purpose of our show, remind you that you said, uh, does San Jose really want to come back to Hawaii? You're right. Yes. Guilty. Guilty. Because right. when Brent Brennan came running in with his shirt off and the, uh, <laughs> and the surfboard. And the extra little sunscreen on his nose. The team erupted. <laughs> um, and so, I don't know. I, that was the first thing that came to mind whenever you I watched of, that. Well, going, Josh was wrong again. Well, they look excited. <laughs> well, I, was, I wasn't thinking about the excitement. I was thinking more administratively. Do you want to do you want to go to Hawaii again and absorb that cost? That that was my thought. Sure. So I I guess uh, the the team was okay with uh, administering that that cost. I, I guess so. <laughs> um, but yeah, for Chev to make his return here one last time and finish it out here, it it almost it almost feels like poetic justice mm. with everything that went down these last couple of years w- without the distraction of. Um, a return matchup against his his former team. It almost feels like th- this is the way his story should end, where it started, and because he he didn't necessarily do anything wrong. No, and he for, didn't. For him to have a chance one last time to ball out at home, I'm excited for him. Yeah, and um, this could have been a really really good quarterback matchup. It could have been uh, Grayson McCall, one of the top group of five quarterbacks in the nation. He entered the transfer portal, so uh, we won't see him, and I think that takes away a little bit of the shine from this matchup. First time a Sun Belt team is participating 
in the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. But outside of that, it's going to be a good game. Coastal Carolina is a fun team to watch, and I'm excited to see these two get together. Traffic here. Uh, final words coming up off the bench. ESPN Honolulu. All right, we'll go to Eugene coming up in a little while. Uh, Hawaii and Oregon, second round of the NCAA tournament. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about that matchup coming up here uh, in a moment. Our Zephyr Insurance text line. Um, earlier, we talked about Nick Rolovich. And there's an interesting comment that came in on that. And, and for those wondering, uh, Bruce Feldman from The Athletic reporting that Nick Rolovich could be a name to watch for in the Nevada coaching search. Um, he was the OC, although he didn't get to coach a game, uh, for the Seattle Sea Dragons. They're no longer a team in the USFL-XFL merger. So he's not coaching again. And uh, yeah, Bruce Feldman brought his name up. I said that I'd like to see him be a head coach again. Um, I know you have you are as loyal to him as possible. I did bring up a few things that I think were questionable. Um, I'll give you what this texter said from the 286. I feel Rolo was selfish with his COVID behavior. Yes, he may have personally disagreed with the state of Washington and the university's policies, but he placed himself above it. Texter continues, it had serious ramifications to the integrity of the university who hired him and paid his lucrative salary. Also, his assistant coaches were torn between loyalty to the coach and the law. Those who selected loyalty paid dearly for themselves and their families, and of course, the players were left in disarray. Good football coach aside, Texter says, I would find it hard to trust someone who made those kind of choices that affected so many for personal reasons. Um, Those, pause. Yeah, go, no, go for it, go for it. The law was not in place when he took the job. Correct. So that must be considered. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not even getting into like the COVID thing or the political thing. Like, let's just try to fight to remain as neutral as possible. Let's just look at the, the, the facts of this situation. When legislature changes in the midst of you already taking the job and already signing all of the contracts and already taking on all of the liability that comes with being the head coach, the circumstances changed. Mm -hmm. And then you have to react one way or another. I'm not saying he reacted correctly or not, but let's not say that he like went back on his word or anything like that. Like, he he might have done it differently. Who knows? But to then just say he doesn't deserve another coaching job again, like I, I feel like that's steep when there's plenty of other coaches around the entire country that have done, in my mind, far worse. Mm-hmm. And, and Bobby Petrino's back. Had the motorcycle incident in Arkansas. He's the OC again at Arkansas. So I just... um. Yeah, I think I'll 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 use a word here. Um, time. Now, and, and we were talking during the break before the top of the hour. One of the other things that had come up, and and I had forgotten about it, was the the situation regarding the uh, the mental health of a particular player who wanted to take time away, and and basically there was audio of him. Um, there was a phone call that was recorded, which was questionable as well, because I think there's a law on that, but right. there, there was audio that kind of painted him as someone who basically said, mental health doesn't matter. You know, I'm going to get you off the team and I'm paraphrasing the words. And that it was another thing that kind of cast in a, 
um, negative light his handling of certain of of mental health issues on the team. Now, again, it's been a couple of years. Yep. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if he is different. I don't know if any of those things are outliers. I don't know a lot of the backstory on on even that. Um, similar to the Lane Kiffin situation. Yes, Lane Kiffin. Exactly. He's still coaching. Yeah, and. I, I want to weigh in as a former player yes. j- j- just for that because r- regardless of family circumstance, to the best of your ability, your own uh, physical impairments, uh, mental health impairments, when you are on the team, every member of that team usually goes through a um, a syllabus week, if you will, on this is the standard if you're on this team. You you still come to practice mm-hmm. or you still communicate with a coach if you can't meet the bare minimum requirements. So I I played for this guy. I I know him. He like he was a, a very um understanding and personable type of a coach. Yeah. I'm sure this player had many opportunities. And because of the way that media heightens mental health situations, I mean, we don't even know if that player was upholding his end of the bargain. We don't know if he was potentially using a mental health situation to cover up the fact that he wasn't upholding his end of the bargain. So I I can't help but... like at least bring that up to play a little devil's advocate for someone who has been in those environments that cite outside circumstance for them not upholding their stuff. I'll say this. Um, and I think we mentioned it the, at the end of the last hour. The one of the, one of the things that Rolo was really good about was promoting the program and the people and, yep. and, and life around him, not necessarily him. He drew attention elsewhere and with this whole political thing and, and COVID and all that stuff. What that did was it he kind of made the attention about him and, and his social media stuff, for example, yeah. became about some of of that, you know, you know, theoretical stuff. Sure. And less about who he was, you know, less about what was around him. And I think that that made things a little bit difficult since that point. Um, Rolo has been a little quieter on social media and he has been yep. you know, less about some of that stuff. And I think if he can keep it that way, um, you know, I, I think we can kind of put aside, um, you know, a lot of that stuff. And I think a lot of coaches in general have to do that as well. A lot of coaches stay away from the politics because that is divisive. Yep. Um, and I don't, I don't care how you feel on one side or the other, whether it's left or right. Um, you know, it's best if you're a coach to just not wade there, get out of that and let the attention, let the focus be on your players and be on your team. And if Rolo can keep doing that, like he used to, um, you know, I, I think you'll see what made Rolo special. You and I both agree. He's a darn good coach. Yes. I think it's a lot of the stuff outside of the coaching that I think leaves some stuff to be desired for some people. And I, I, I won't knock it because I, I kind of understand, but I think it's been a couple of years and I'm willing to say, Hey, um, has he, has he seen that? And, and does he see anything different about it? 
especially the, the handling of players and stuff like that. Yeah, and, you know, kind of with that, it you don't need to, at this point, he has made a name for himself. Yeah. He, he has had um, a track record of success where maybe you don't need the social media antics to... Mike Leach yourself, if you will. Good, good call there. Yeah. Um, you you can just make it about. And we miss Mike Leach, of course. And Leach was a good friend of Rolo. Mm-hmm. Um, just make it about the football. Just make it about the wins and losses. There you go. And so maybe that's that's what's in front. It's all speculation at this uh, no, point, of course. too. And, and that's what it will be uh, until we find out who ends up getting that job there at Nevada. Uh, we get ready for Hawaii and Oregon. Uh, our coverage begins in four minutes. Texter from the 216 asks an interesting question. Why did the women's volleyball team come back to Hawaii for 24 hours after winning the uh, the Big West Championship? Could have stayed on the mainland and be less fatigued. Um, I don't know what the travel situation was like, so uh, that's kind of hard to tell. But you know what? Sometimes, and I know it was different than the women's basketball team that stayed um, in Henderson when they won the Big West Tournament for women's basketball and then figured out where they were going to go for the NCAAs. Um, I thought they ended up on their way back. Anyway, you know what? It's kind of nice to be in your bed, your own bed for a day or two. You know, be amongst... Uh, staff and others, uh, when when you find out what the bids are going to be, uh, and you find that your name's on it, I mean, you're used to travel. You're used to some of that fatigue anyway. So I don't, I don't know. It really doesn't bother me all that much. You were going to travel anyway. You're going to go from Long Beach to Eugene. The difference is several more hours, but to me, you're still traveling. Well, and that's the thing too. They didn't know where they were going to end up going. Right. 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 So maybe come back, get settled, and then determine the next mm-hmm. um, the next set of itineraries. Absolutely. All right, final words. Uh, Hunter, it might be only you today, so go for it. I don't know if I've ever been more excited for conference championship weekend than right now mm-hmm. with so much having deliberate reciprocal effects on the college football playoff. It n- n- never have we seen it mean more than this weekend right. for so many different teams and also for the Heisman Trophy. Um, it's really, really exciting for me as a fan of college football where we find ourselves right now because it truly is for a lot of teams coming down to the last week of the year. Yeah, so much on the line. Uh, we're watching that Pac-12 title game, uh, but you know what? There's also a really good Conference USA title game right now between uh, Liberty New Mexico State. Liberty, Liberty. Liberty. Liberty's Liberty, actually Bibby. leading that. <laughs> Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Uh, Liberty's up on that. Uh, they're in Virginia. I think that's in the third quarter against New Mexico State. So that's uh, that's kind of a good game. Uh, my final words, happy to have high school basketball uh, back here in the second weekend. Uh, we'll have uh, Kamehameha and Kailua tonight for the uh, semifinals in the Surfrider Classic. We got somebody sending us scores, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mid-Pacific winning today over Lahaina Luna, 67-61 at the uh, Jim Allegra Invitational there at uh, at Radford. I, I, I'm i I'm happy to be back around high school basketball again. Yeah. Uh, so much fun. Road to the state title uh, beginning here on the road to February. All right, partner, I'll see you Monday. Coming up next, we take you to Eugene, Hawaii, and Oregon here on ESPN Honolulu.